Good afternoon. I'm Dr. Terry James Gingrass, and this is Dr. G's ADHD chat, uh, the show trying to make the world safe for ADHDers. Okay, I am a clinical psychologist and neuropsychologist, um, and I'm partially retired now, but I've been doing ADHD treatment and evaluation for uh, 40 years or so. so since about the time we started actually having the name ADHD. Uh, and I am, um, I guess I owe you all an apology first because I've been, well, if, if you've never retired or partially retired, just let me tell you, it's not as simple as just working. <laughs> it's a lot more confusing. And we've just uh, been chasing our tails and not getting some of the things done that we usually get done. I think I said, maybe possibly on the last session I did on time, uh, that we probably will change the date to Wednesday. <clears throat> uh, apparently, according to the research, that's uh, an easier day for everybody uh, to listen. Uh, let me know if, if that's an issue with you. Um, I have no objection to continuing doing the Sunday afternoon thing, but <clears throat> but if it helps more people, I, I would definitely change it to Wednesday. Or heck, I may even do a Wednesday and a Sunday. We'll see. Um, but I'll try to let you know. Anyway, um, like I said, I'm a psychologist a clinical psychologist and a neuropsychologist, which if you don't know what that means, it just, I work with brains, which is handy since ADHD is a neurologic condition. And they, uh, we have found that it's a, a difference in how ADHD brains handle a couple of the main neurotransmitters. The neurotransmitters are those little chemical messengers that allow the whole brain and nervous system to work and um, the, these are dopamine and norepinephrine. They're the ones primarily. And ADHDers have less of that on board than uh, neurotypical people. And that results in the problems you see with executive functioning, working memory, focus, that kind of stuff. Okay. And um, I say this almost every week, but... ADHDers, on average, get 70 critical comments a day. Now, if you really think about that, that's horrifying. Because an ADHDer is being asked in the first part of his, his or her life to do things that are totally... Their brain just isn't set up to do it. Their brain is not set up to allow them to sit for long, sit quietly for long periods of time like you have to do in school and just listen to somebody talk to you and remember what they said and then spit it back to them when they ask you a couple of weeks later on a test. That's not what ADHD brains do best. Although they do a lot of things really well that companies like, you know, they are creative, uh, 
they multitask well they love it when it starts getting crazy out because they're the best in in emergencies and uh so you know organizations like that in a in an employee presupposing they've learned to compensate for you know having problems with deadlines and that sort of thing i mean you have to have that but I, I get concerned a lot. Okay, I started started this program, and I have wrote my book, and I'm probably going to be teaching a course pretty soon. Because the things that we have been taught to do with ADHD uh, are focused on ADHD as if it were a behavior problem. And that the problem is that ADHDers just don't want to do what they're told. <laughs> and it's not that. ADHDers have problems doing a lot of things that people take for granted. And, you know, if you've ever been a psychologist and sat in your office listening to parents complain about their ADHD children and, oh, oh God, I tell him what to do. And, you know, and he does one thing. And then he's sitting on his butt playing video games and doesn't expect me to be upset. Yes, ma'am. The reason that happens is because his working memory is not very good. And working memory is kind of like the etch-a-sketch of working memory, of memory rather. I mean, you don't have, it's, it's like etch-a-sketch, by which I mean it, it's, where you put stuff you don't really plan on remembering for the rest of your life. Uh, you know, like when mom tells you to go up to your room, put your laundry away, pick up the floor, and bring down your dirty laundry. You tell them not to do three things like that, odds are you're going to get one of them done, and they're going to be up there playing video games or whatever they enjoy. Uh, and be very surprised that you're upset. That's, however, not willful. That is, your working memory doesn't work very well, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Okay. <coughs> That's why I'm a really, a, well, punishment doesn't work. I've been pretty hard, hard line on that. Punishment doesn't work. Matter of fact, punishment tends to make things worse. What would you rather have? You know, a, an, an adolescent who uh, makes some mistakes every once in a while but tries? Or would you rather one who's just so angry at the world that he doesn't want to do what anybody tells him to do? So punishment programs that focus on punishment or really extra creative ways of punishing. And I, I know here you can make a distinction between negative reinforcement and punishment. And, but for most folks, that isn't going to matter. Okay. And so what I would like to give ADHD parents, those of you out there listening, is a new goal. Make your number one purpose with your ADHD child be having him or her grow up to be a confident, resilient adult. Okay, that's more important. 
some of these people, and I, you know, I see ADHD adults, uh, and I see people who should have been diagnosed, <clears throat> but weren't when they were in school, and uh, now they're in their late twenties, early thirties, and they're just sick of the way their lives are, and they know that they have something wrong. They just don't know what it is. So, the problem we have is that the treat a lot of the treatment programs are focused on on a punishment model reward good behavior punish bad behavior but bad behavior is you know a value judgment it's not bad it's just they didn't do exactly what you wanted them to do <laughs> okay antoinette i i hear you but make sure you know if nobody else, oh Lord, uh, um, this young lady uh, was on, only diagnosed when she was 36. I mean, and that's a, a, a real common thing. I, you know, the f folks I, I, I felt the most for, I guess, were the ones who had not been diagnosed and had suffered through all this you know, and, and come up with all sorts, oh, I must be stupid, or oh, I must be lazy, or, you know, a matter of fact, one of the one of the best books on ADHD, one of the first really good books on ADHD is uh, titled, You Mean I'm Not Lazy, Crazy, or Stupid? by a nurse practitioner named Kelly. And it's, uh, you know, they come in thinking exactly that, that there's something wrong with me, I'm stupid, I'm lazy, I'm, you know, Dum, dum, dum. But it's it's the way the system set up. Okay, the the school system particularly is not set up. Although there there are, I mean, I'm not going to say all schools aren't like that, but are are set up for ADHDers. But most of them are not. There are a few schools with special programs that, yeah, man, get your kid there if you can. But the the deal with your ADHD child is that he or she has some limitations that make it hard for him or her to sit quietly. Well, it's easier for usually the girls have the, what's called inattentive type ADHD and they can sit there quietly and not make, make any trouble for anybody, but they're not paying attention to what's going on there. They're all about rainbows and unicorns and, you know, ah, but they're not getting it. Okay. And they have troubles. Well, you know, how do you, how do you get good grades when you can't pay attention to the class, to the class notes and the class lectures and that sort of stuff. Anyway. So the thing that an ADHD needs to come to maturity with is confidence is Understanding that he or she will make errors, maybe more errors than other people, uh, but that eventually they will find the solution. Okay, that's terribly important. Okay, if every time you make a, an error, it's a failure and you're a terrible person because you failed, uh, it's it's very hard to make progress it's very hard to learn from your mistakes and that's what you really want that's what resilience is all about you know is that you okay i messed this up now if i look at it as 
okay, what did I learn from this? What should I have done maybe that it would have had a better outcome? Something like, you know, problem solving kind of approach to things. Then they can go on and eventually succeed. You know, Steve Jobs got kicked out of his own company, but eventually he came back and uh, revolutionized all our worlds. You know, see, see, my Apple Watch. And I'm talking to you on my Apple iPod computer, uh, of which I have several. So, you know, this is totally an Apple house. And most of the people I um, go to conferences with also are Apple people. But if Steve Jobs had not had the confidence and the resilience to stay, keep his head in the game, uh, he wouldn't have been able to come back, take over the company and drive it to incredible success. I know, and I'm not suggesting that everybody out there wants their child to be a, a successful CEO type, uh, but that's what you're, you, those are the characteristics, the uh, personality traits that you want to encourage. You know, you don't want to raise a kid who just is really good at picking up his dirty socks, okay? I mean, that's, it makes life easier, but it isn't honestly on the, on the scheme of things all that darn important. You want somebody who can take care of him or herself uh, and potentially their family and can learn from mistakes and doesn't give up because they make mistakes. I mean, that's the, that's the key. If you can keep plugging, if you're resilient and can keep going going after what you're looking for, you will eventually succeed. Uh, if you look at, read biographies of any of the uh, big success stories, um, you will find that they had a number of failures before they succeeded. And because when you dream big, <laughs> you fall down big. But if you keep plugging, uh, eventually you work it out and you succeed. So I um, invite you to consider, okay, I'm a parent of an ADHD child. What should I be doing differently to um, ensure uh, a confident, resilient individual when he, he or she is an adult? Well, okay. 70 critical comments, okay? That will kill initiative and drive and ambition and all the other stuff. So watch what you do. Watch what you say. Watch how often you uh, criticize. For gosh sakes, catch him being good as often as you can. And when there are errors, use an, that as a way of initiating problem-solving techniques. Okay, hey, you, you know, I don't know, let's say you didn't finish your history paper on time. Okay, oh, well, what happened? Why, why, why was that not? Okay, but you use it to learn. Okay, what did you learn? Okay, you, you messed up. You, you 
flunked or got a D or whatever it is. Uh, but what'd you learn from that? What, you know, what, what's, what's the takeaway from, from that sort of thing? And what can you do different next time? Okay. ADHD kids, you know, they try to pretend it doesn't matter to them, but it does. <laughs> it bothers them. And so you, um, the other thing I want to mention for sure is the Lasota principle. And you want to, this is a, comes out of industrial organization on psychology and, but it's basically, how do people work best? And uh, they found that basically if they have four positive comments for every critical comment, you're going to have, uh, they're going to perform at their, at their best. Some, some relationships require a little more, like, like marriage, for instance, requires a little more positive uh, for every negative than that. Uh, and uh, your ADHD child definitely does. So you've got to, you know, catch them being good and pay attention to that. You know, we tend to be spring loaded to jump on the, on the behavior problems. <laughs> See what I just did? Uh, it's not a behavior problem. It's a neurologic condition. Anyway, your ADHD -er is, um, needs more positive because he, he or she, they don't hear a lot of positive. They hear, oh, if she'd only study or oh if he'd just try or <laughs> my favorite is if he just pay attention <laughs> right if he could pay attention we wouldn't be having this discussion would we uh you know and there's a neurologic reason why he or she cannot pay attention so let's just deal with it instead of pretending it's just willfulness with a or rebellious and yeah, they're not rebellious. They're not sure they can win. Okay, you want to you you want to grow your kid so that he or she think knows that they can win, uh, and that they will keep plugging, keep trying. Um, and that's you know that's the other thing is when they don't do too well, you don't want to go off on them and yell and scream and jump up and down or whatever your tendency is, you want to find out what's going on. What's the matter? What are you thinking? What, what did you notice? Um, so, I mean, there, there are way more things that you, you can do, but you've, the biggest one is for you yourself to be paying attention and to recognize that it's, you've got to work harder with these kids. You've got to be, Emphasizing the positive, and I don't mean, you know, like, la, 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 you know, we're skipping through the flower garden or something. It's that you have, they do some good things. You've got to recognize those and praise those. You've got to recognize the effort they put in. Okay? I mean, the biggest mistake parents make is, you know, Basically, human beings, everything we do, everything we learn, is a result of some amount of effort. And But if you, instead of praising the effort, you praise it as if it were some natural inborn thing. Like some of the kids have the worst problem with college 
are the kids who were told all the way through high school that they were so smart. You're just so smart. You did. This is so easy for you. Yeah. Well, then they get to college and it's, they're not so smart or everybody's around them is as smart and they don't have any defenses built up for that. They don't have any, um, they don't know what to do. It's always been easy for me before. What do I do now? So praise the effort. Praise. Oh, you spent, oh, you spent two hours working on that. That's good for you. Okay. Uh, this, this obviously grabs me, this whole topic and the whole um, need to, to, to have confident, resilient ADHDers. Okay, I, I, well, I forgot to mention, I have an ADHD son, and apparently I married into a family that is just, <laughs> well, it's got a lot of ADHD in it. And I look at my own family, and I'm not so sure that we were totally free of that. Um, but I will try to, you know, in the future, keep these a little shorter. But this is a really important topic. This is the most important thing. I, if you had to come away with just one thing about ADHD, the emphasis on training confidence and resilience uh, it's way more important than obedience. Obedience, not, <laughs> people are not naturally disobedient unless they have been put into a situation where they figure they can't win anyway. So screw it. I'm not going to do it. You know, when they know they can win, then you got something. Okay. This is Dr. Terry James Gingrass. I am a clinical psychologist, a neuropsychologist. Uh, my website is terrygingrassphd.com. And uh, if you'd like to leave any comments, uh, you can do it around here somewhere. And, uh, and let me know about if the changing the time would be a good thing for you. I was talking about changing it to uh, Wednesday at, say, 11. Uh, would that be better for you guys or would you rather keep this time or does it not matter? <laughs> okay, let me know. Thank you. And uh, we will catch you next week sometime. <laughs>